What is happening, OTC listeners? Another episode of the OTC Outside the Comics podcast is in your life. Episode 16 on this fine Wednesday night, July 11th. You know what that means. Four more days until my birthday. Woohoo! Actually, not really a woohoo. Like, it's... It, it's more, it's more of a, it's, it's just, to me, it's just a regular day, honestly, it really is, like, I haven't really celebrated my birthday in, like, six years, so, to me, it's more of a, you know, another day, turning 28, closer to being 30, I'll be honest, no matter what age I am, I'm pretty much gonna be the same old me, no matter what, <laughs> but, there's nothing to it, there's nothing to it. In the month of July, uh, we still got a few more things to look forward to, especially in the next couple of weeks. I mean, in July 27th, we got uh, Teen Titans Go! to the movies, July 27th. And um, I believe we have a break until, if I'm not mistaken, we have a small break until September or October. Most likely October for the Venom movie coming out. Comic-Con also dropping. Uh, For New York Comic-Con, it will be from October 4th through the 7th. And San Diego Comic-Con will be sometime next week. Speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, there's already been a bunch of rumors swirling about a bunch of uh, trailers popping. Aquaman being one of them. And I think we're going to get a few other news as well. But, um... So far, so good. I mean, uh, saw Ant-Man and the Wasp this past weekend. Uh, we're going to do a spoiler-free review on another segment later on tonight. And uh, yeah, that's about it, really. So, before we start off, let's start this show, shall we? <clears throat> this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you willing to make the opportunity to create your own podcast so that way you can have other people listen to whatever you want to do or whatever you want to say? Then download the Anchor app now, record to your heart's content, have other people listen in, and then you can all share it in any way, shape, or form you like. If you don't like listening to the podcast, you could always, you know, show your support, share, tell your friends, tell your dog. Tell your battle buddies, you got a lizard. You know what? That annoying neighbor that likes to come over and borrow sugar from you or borrow your broom and never gives it back, you can tell him or her about it too. Or that old landlord that just won't stop asking you for the rent. You'd be like, you know what? You'll get your rent. But first, why don't you give a listen to the OTC Outside the Comics podcast? You know? Be, it'll be worth your time. <laughs> So, as always, we're going to start with the DC news first, and then we're going to jump right into Marvel. And then after the Marvel news is done, we'll head into the segment of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Even though it's going to be a very short review, because this week it's going to be spoiler-free, a spoiler-filled review will be next week, episode 17. So, hold on to your butts on that one. Now... On to the DC news. Let's see what we got here. Batgirl may not be in Birds of Prey. 
the Birds of Prey movie is going to begin shooting in January. And it's already confirmed that it has a rated R movie with a small budget. What are my thoughts on this? Um, since this is mostly uh, going to be the only DC news. And I'm going to talk briefly about what I read in a report that concerning Harley Quinn. Uh, for one thing, I'm actually okay with it being a small budget film. We don't really need big budgets in order to make a good movie stand out. Normally, in a lot of big budget films, uh, a lot of the money actually goes to creating heavy, heavy, heavy CGI. But what's very interesting to me is they said that rumors are swirling that Batgirl may not be in the film, but they didn't say anything about Barbara Gordon. I can kind of seeing both a positive and a negative for this one because if you include Batgirl in a movie that is grouped with other people such as Huntress, the Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, or anybody else that could be among the Gotham City Sirens in terms of Birds of Prey, you're losing a huge opportunity to cash in on your main attraction, your main star. I mean, if you're going to, let's say you're going to line up all these heroes and villains, right? Who would be the, the two people that would probably stand out to the most? The answer would be Batgirl and Harley Quinn. Now, which one of them is probably uh, more famous in terms of star power? Who's the draw here? As of right now, it's Harley Quinn. There's no mistake about it. But Batgirl definitely deserves to be in her own film. So, in a way, you can make, you could see if she is going to be part of the movie, you can definitely get her to be some kind of mascot, like some kind of attraction, like Groot was, or Baby Groot to be exact for Guardians 2, or, you know, Deadpool in his own movie. Um, it, it, it's, it's these little... Is these little ideas like who exactly would you want to see a movie to go for, basically. Um, if these rumors are true and Batgirl is not in the movie but Barbara Gordon is, again, you are playing with fire here because we all want to see Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. But at the same time, we want to see Batgirl in her own movie or at least a part of a Batman movie not part of a Gotham City Sirens movie. At least not yet. At least not yet. Like, you don't want the introduction of Batgirl on the big screen to be part of a group of vigilantes or a group of villains. Um, no, I'm not counting Batgirl from Batman and Robin from 1997. That's... Or 1999? Ah, I'm gonna say 1997. Um... That to me does not count. That that was not Batgirl. That's that's just that's that was something else. But that was not Batgirl. Like I want a true redheaded kick-ass jujitsu judo ass-kicking Batgirl. That's what I want. So I mean, like I said, if they don't have her in Birds of Prey, it's not really that big of a deal. We'll definitely see her in some other form, in some other fashion, in some other way uh, for other movies to come. Especially with Warner Brothers being a part of 
uh, AT&T, I'm sure they have a lot more plans installed for Batgirl. Uh, in terms of Birds of Prey being rated R, listen, I actually expressed this before. I did say that Harley Quinn would be the rated R person for Warner Brothers as equal to Deadpool being rated R for Marvel. Uh, those two are very similar in terms of personalities and in terms of dark humor. So... For Harley Quinn being rated R, I think it's terrific because you get to utilize her to her full uh, potential in terms of not only establishing but developing her character as a human being. With Suicide, shut up, phone. <laughs> With Suicide Squad, it's not really viewed as the same thing because Suicide Squad was a PG-13 film. Not to mention she wasn't really the main focal point of the entire movie. Well, actually, she kind of was, but she was with Deadshot at the time. So, at the end of the day, <clears throat> excuse me, at the end of the day, uh, you don't really want to establish Harley Quinn as a PG-13 character. You really, really don't. There was a report that I saw where one of the fans actually said Harley Quinn being PG-13 would be a tremendous accomplishment. Not really an accomplishment, but it, it would be a great treat because she would deem as a hero for young girls around the world. Let me just start off by saying that I strongly, strongly, strongly disagree with that, and here's my reason why. Let, 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 I'm, I'm going to dive into Harley Quinn now, and I'm going to tell you as to why Harley Quinn is PG-13 would not work in terms of in terms of her getting her own movie. If you think Harley Quinn is PG-13 would actually work is the same as establishing Deadpool and being PG-13 or Logan being PG-13. It would not work. You have to understand the whole character aspect of who Harley Quinn is. You need to understand what kind of person she is. You need to understand what drives her, what motivates her, what she's been through in her personal life. Um, what she went through with the Joker, what she went through after she um, called it quits with the Joker and then came back and then left and came back. That's a, a clear classic case of Stockholm Syndrome of what she has, okay? If you remember... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna branch out a little bit and just bear with me on this. If you remember how many fans were pissed off when Batman started killing people out of nowhere in Batman v Superman, it completely changed his moral code and it completely changed his character. What is Batman's number one rule? No guns, no killing. He does not want to be the thing that killed his parents. He does not want to be the entity that he spent his entire life fighting against. Do you understand? By giving Batman the gun to kill people or just mowing down people in the Batman v Superman movie, you took Batman's character away from him. Now he's just a thug in a cowl. He's not Batman. He's just... Shut up, phone. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just getting numerous messages. Um... You take that character aspect away from Batman, and he is no longer uh, who he is. Now, 
there is some argument to be made. It's been 20 years. Batman is tired. Batman is, you know, they took Robin away from him. So he feels like he has no choice. Um, Batman has been doing this for a very long time. And at that point, mm-hmm. he finally... Okay. <laughs> Seriously, like, I'm getting tons of notifications. I apologize for that. Um, so yeah, Batman, uh, he is... Okay. Oh man, be like, shut the fuck up now. What was I saying? Alright. The moment you make Batman break his code, the moment that you make Batman become someone of a thug or another killer or another criminal, you destroy the image of Batman himself. Okay? And that's kind of what... uh. Zack Snyder did with Batman v Superman. Now, if they had a scene or if they had something to try to justify of why he did what he did, there could be some argument to be made. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't work. You lose the essence of what made Batman Batman. You lose that character aspect of who he is as a symbol, as a figure. It's the same thing with Harley Quinn. You make her into a PG-13 person, a PG-13 character, she's just this bumbly person that just do things that bad guys do. It's like she says, we're bad guys, it's what we do. Like, her having, like, for her to be in her own movie, you have to establish a rated R uh, image. Sorry, lost my train of thought. Harley Quinn is a rated R character. She is a villain. She is not a hero. What could be uh, the, the symbols that could be heroes for young women around the world. We got tons already. Wonder Woman, for example. Supergirl from the CW series. You got Captain Marvel that's coming out uh, uh, next March. Who will apparently be the, the, the face of Phase 4. You know, so you have all of these other different female characters and all these super... The Wasp! There you go, that's another classic example from this past weekend. The Wasp can be established as a great hero for young women to follow. Harley Quinn is not one of them. Harley Quinn is in a class of her own when it comes to super, uh, super villains. Do you understand? Um... I know there's a, a counter-argument to be made. Oh, uh, what about a Superman when he turned evil from the Injustice storyline? That's completely different. Now you're comparing apples and bricks. That is completely different. You want to know why? Because that's an alternate universe. That's an alternate storyline. That's an idea of what is made. What happens when the world's greatest hero turns out to be the world's greatest villain? What happens... For a person that stares into the essence of the abyss and blinks. What happens if something, the, the, the one entity that would make the most powerful being in the world, in the universe, human, gets taken away from him? What is left for him to live for? That was the idea that was made when they decided to go out with the Injustice comic storyline. Yes. Harley Quinn is good in that series, in the games, in the comics, um, 
in the second game in Justice 2, yes, Harley Quinn was good. However, if you want to play that card, if you want to play that game, there is a there is a slight difference. Okay? The Injustice storyline is not the main continuity to what's going on in terms of the DC Extended Universe, the New 52, or any other main storyline that you either like to uh, read and watch. In our case, the main continuity goes from what happened from 2013 Man of Steel. Okay, there's that, the, 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 the continuity is it's, it's in a linear line, if you truly think about it. Because you have Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League, Suicide Squad, and Wonder Woman. So, so far, those five movies that are connected has a main storyline, a main continuity, okay? You never want to break that when you're establishing... God damn it with my phone. You never want to break that when it establishes uh, main characters when you put them into different sides, if that makes any sense. So, to further my point, Harley Quinn would not work... As a PG-13 character. Uh, her. In terms of some kitty shows. Maybe in terms of shows that you've seen. Where they establish her as a good guy. Or whatever the case. That's all fun and dandy. But again. Let me. I'm going to have to repeat myself again. That is not the main continuity. Okay. That's something else that's th- that, 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 that belongs to another studio with animations for little girls or whatever the case may be, right? Harley Quinn is a rated R person. She does not have the potential to be a hero for young girls. She has the potential to be a pop icon. She has the potential to be one of the most greatest figures that ever lived. I mean, hell. Since Suicide Squad came out, do you know how many people I saw in Harley Quinn costumes at Comic-Con? Including men dressing up as Harley Quinn? That should not be dressing up as Harley Quinn? Come on now. Harley Quinn is a tragic figure. Okay? Now, let's play devil's advocate. Let's say... She does have the potential to be a PG-13 character. Let's say she does have the potential to be a hero. Let's say through all of the um, all of the uh, the trials and tribulations that Harley Quinn went through. Let's say that she finds some kind of redemption that we as human beings we like a good redemption story. That's all fun and dandy. I'm about to break my phone. <laughs> That's all fun and dandy. But at the same time, you have to understand, if you do that, you lose the character aspect of what made Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn. Do you understand? Harley Quinn is fine where she is. She's fine as an R-rated character. I apologize for all the buzzing. I really do. I'm, I apologize. I'm getting tons of notifications and text messages. Oh, boy. Anyway, Harley Quinn does not work as a PG-13 person. So, 
Damn, I spent a lot on Harley Quinn, more than I should. Anyway, let's dive into the Marvel stuff. Let's dive into, you know, not not ready, not not really a few news going on. Um, Deadpool two is going to be released for an extended cut for Blu-ray and digital in August. I don't know when specifically in August. I would say probably August 14th, which be around the same time that Infinity War will be going to the extended cut. They actually released a trailer for the extended cut version uh, for Avengers Infinity War. And you can best well believe that I'm definitely going to get it. You best well believe that I'm going to get it. Alright, what else we got? Samuel L. Jackson digitally de-aged in Captain Marvel. This really is no surprise considering that uh, the entire movie of Captain Marvel is going to take place in the 90s. Which is why she's wearing that green suit that a lot of people seem to hate. I'm like, deal with it. Um, so yeah, that's that's not really... That, that's that's not really anything new. Uh, I'm very int- I'm very interested to know how exactly they're able to digitally de-age a certain character because they did the same thing with Michelle Pfeiffer and Ant-Man and the Wasp, and they're doing the same thing with Samuel L. Jackson. So it's very interesting to see how he's gonna look. Can you imagine if they give him the same look from um uh oh what what was one of his movies uh what was uh. Pulp Fiction, there we go, where he gives that, 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 that line, as soon as he ate the burger, and then he gives this massive religious line, he goes, and you will know that I am the Lord, when I raise my vengeance upon thee, I, I, I can't memorize that entire line. It's probably one of the greatest lines ever in cinema history, and I can't um, uh, memorize that line. You know, now that I think about it, and, and this actually got me to to remember, um, Pulp Fiction was owned by Miramax, and Miramax was under Disney at the time. So if you truly think about it, Pulp Fiction is really a Disney film. Huh. Let that sink into your head for a bit. Pulp Fiction is actually a Disney film. Maybe not the usual Disney films that we're all uh, used to loving during modern times. But, um, yeah. I mean, if you don't believe me, you can Google it right now. Pulp Fiction actually being a Disney film. It's, it's technically, it really is. Huh. Quentin Tarantino definitely knows his stuff. Ain't, ain't that right? Hmm. Ain't that right? Moving on. Uh, we have a... This past week, we experienced... Experienced. We come across another tragic pasting. Steve Ditko, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is the co-creator of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange from the 1960s and on. I don't know too much about Ditko. I don't know too much about his personal lifestyle. Um, I What I do know is he worked on and off with Marvel for a while. And uh, he was very, very close with Stan Lee. 
and it was his vision. Uh, he was the one responsible for giving the classic red and blue outfit for Spider-Man. And um, he definitely made a hell of a trademark with both characters, with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Um, what's very interesting is, I'm going to try to switch subjects here. Not subjects, but let's switch things up a little bit. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the titled sequel for Spider-Man's Homecoming, or Spider-Man 2, with Tom Holland. Apparently, it kept on getting re uh, reports that Doctor Strange will not be in the movie. Because every now and then, you always get certain movies where other heroes would do crossovers. Like, you know, in many cases, you know, the first Spider-Man, you had Iron Man in it, and in Thor... Two, you kind of had Captain America in it, kind of. Um, so it's like little things like that. Uh, Captain America two, you had Black Widow. So it's 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 little things. I think it would have been such an honor to Steve Ditko if both Spider-Man and Doctor Strange were actually together in the Spider-Man sequel. I think it would have been such an honor to him. It would have been such a nod to what he's created. It would have been such a nod to the legacy that he left for other people to read his work, for other people to emulate his work, for other people to be fascinated with comics, with colorful images, um, fascinated with the movies. Like, you have to understand that if you're a fan of a certain hero or a certain comic or a certain story, you need to know the history of its source material. And it all started with him and Stan Lee. Like, he, due to the fact that he's the co-creator, it, it kind of started with him. So, passed away. Rest in power to Ditko. I know um, this, is, this is a short... Uh, not really a eulogy, but it's more of a short a short homage to him. Uh, he'll be missed. He won't be forgotten. I'm still going to read a bunch of his work, uh, especially with webcomics and, um, and Amazing Fantasy, um, which I believe it's like worth a fortune now. Um, he will be missed. He will be missed. I'm glad to see his work of Spider-Man actually coming to life with the um not the Amazing Spider-Man but Spider-Man Homecoming being the closest representation of what he's created. So kudos to him. Kudos to him. Rest in power, my friend. Rest in power. That's it for this segment of DC news of Harley Quinn and Marvel news considering the passing of one of our greatest co-writers ever. Uh, up next, we are going to have the Ant-Man and the Wasp spoiler-free review. That's coming up in a bit. Welcome back to part two. The episode 16 OTC Outside the Comics. We are going to dive into the spoiler-free review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, this may be a short segment. I'm going to try my very best to not spoil a damn thing. I will try my very best to not spoil anything. That will be tuned in for 
next week. And I have a lot to say spoiler-filled. So here we go. So Ant-Man and the Wasp. What were my expectations before and after seeing the movie? Before I said that this movie was not really deemed as a couples type superhero movie. And in a way I was actually right. The movie mostly focused a lot on the Wasp played by Evangeline Lilly. Evangeline Evangeline, Evangeline, Eva. I'm going to call her Eva because she has a long name. I'm going to call her Eva. Uh, Eva Lilly, who plays Hope Van Dyne. And the... Judging from the trailers that you've already seen, it's pretty much all about her and her dad, Hank Pym, played by Michael Douglas, to try to rescue her mom, his wife... From the essence of the quantum space realm. The quantum realm. And they need Scott Lang's help. And uh, that that was not a spoiler. I assure you that was from the trailers. And of course Ant-Man is at it again. Trying to stop a couple of bad guys from ruining their plans. And yada yada yada. So, that, that was pretty much the gist of it from the trailers. Here's the thing. The trailers showed so much of what the movie entitled, it was pretty much easy to piece together what was going to happen. And all of you that have been listening to me for a while now knows that I don't like watching more than one trailer. After the first trailer of a movie or something gets shown... I don't like to see anything more. I really, really don't. What's sad about it is the studios, in a way, actually controls the marketing of what trailer actually gets to be put out. Now, the thing is, what made this movie really good for me was the chemistry between Scott Lang, Ant-Man, and his daughter... That was pretty much one of the greatest uh, forms that I've ever seen. It utilizes Ant-Man being the fun father figure that he could pe- that he could be, that he was trying to be from the first movie, and that he could be now. Paul Rudd gives a magnificent performance as being a comedic actor. It's what he does. He's always been that way. Even uh, in a bunch of his interviews, he's this genuinely fun-loving guy. I mean, if you can put him and Ryan Reynolds together, you will have a field day. You really would have. Uh, oh, man. I, <laughs> it's so hard for me to do a, a spoiler-free review without spoiling anything because there's so much I want to talk about, but I got to wait till next week. Um, the premises is the same. It's more of a family film than anything else with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, the Wasp was definitely a kick-ass superhero female. And in a way, I think that's what this movie was trying to represent. It was trying to represent that Ant-Man can take a back seat and let the Wasp do her shtick, do her thing in terms of being an ass-kicker that she could. And I think... 
this was done on purpose because this actually, since this is the last movie, this is the last MCU movie of the year before Captain Marvel next March, this actually gives way to females being the next big the next big thing in terms of superhero movies. So when you transition from the Wasp to Captain Marvel, you're actually doing something very very well. And that was probably one of the movie's strongest points of the entire of the entire thing. Now, again, spoiler free, uh, I'm going to try to uh, touch based on the negatives. The villain, even though from the trailers, she, that's right, it's a female. The villain, although being sympathetic, was not intimidating to me whatsoever. And I guess it's because of what she was going through and with the reasons in terms of what of what she did, of why she did what she did, or why she's doing what she's doing. Um, Lawrence Fishburne, who's also in the movie, uh, you kind of understand his point of view as well, but then in some way he does a little 180 towards like halfway of the film. Um... The movie has, it had a lot more comedy than the first one. It definitely had a lot more comedy. There were definitely a lot more jokes. There was more self-awareness in terms of, like, you know, the, the little subtleties in terms of what can make you laugh. Um, I wasn't really laughing that much, honestly. Um, but there was one particular character that gave an exposition type scene. And I completely forgot his name, but he actually he pretty much works with, you know, Paul Rudd's character and Ti's character and a few others, and it it, it was definitely entertaining. It was definitely entertaining nonetheless. For Ant-Man and the Wasp to make seventy-six million dollars domestically and over one hundred sixty-one million dollars worldwide, it's actually doing a pretty good start. But at this point right now, Ant-Man and the Wasp is basically a fun film, a fun movie that you can pretty much enjoy after the whole aspect of Infinity War has done. Here's the problem with that. Infinity War was by far was 10 years in the making and it's by far the greatest one of the greatest anticipations that we've ever witnessed in our lives. The first Ant-Man movie came in after Avengers 2 Age of Ultron or Avengers Age of, uh, Age of Ultron. So it, at this point you can kind of see Ant-Man as this underdog type hero where it's pretty much just a fun movie and that's all it is. It's a fun fun movie. So you can go and watch it once Maybe you can watch it on cable when it comes out. I don't really... Ex I, I wouldn't recommend getting the DVD. I know it sounds like I'm hating on this movie, but in a way, I really am not. Compare Ant-Man, this movie, to the last three movies that came out. Okay? Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War. Ant-Man does not hold a candle 
to any of those three films. And those were the last three this past year. From the beginning of this year. Okay? So, if I'm going to do like a... A list of what were my favorites MCU films from top to bottom or bottom to top. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp would be at the bottom. Now, I don't hate this movie. It was a fun movie nonetheless. It really, really was. Um, what was confusing about the whole movie, and I, I guess I'm going to dive into another one of negatives here, was the whole quantum theory aspect of the movie that to me was completely confusing it really really was um at this point after the after the ages of infinity war when you're when the mcu is making more and more and more films and they're trying to branch out into different ideas or different uh utilizations from the comics and they try to bundle that in into a two-hour film there are some stuff that can get into into a state of confusion. In my personal opinion, this movie had a lot more flaws than pros. It really, really did. Which is why I would say Ant-Man would be the superior movie over this, the first one. Um, but as I said, it's a fun movie. I don't hate it. I just... I just think that it could have been done way better. Way better. I don't know if my opinion is going to change after I see it the second time. I'm going to see it this weekend, possibly right before my birthday hits. Um, but I will give a spoiler-filled review next week. So that way you'll have a better understanding in terms of what I'm talking about. Overall, Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was an okay movie. You can see it once, you can enjoy yourself, you can have a bunch of laughs to your heart's content. If I have to give a rating, I would have to say it's about giving it an 8 is pushing it. I would give it a 7. I would give it a 7 out of 10. It's an okay movie. Am I going to see it again in theaters after I see it um, this weekend again? Probably not. And I don't think I would get the DVD for it either. There was one point where I said that I wanted to get all MCU collection DVDs. But there's only really a handful that I would really want to get. Some movies that really stuck out to me that kind of, you know, hits me emotionally, you know. Or you can just wait for it to come out on Netflix. Thor Ragnarok and Guardians 2 is already there, so you can wait for that too. But, that was my quick review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Sorry that I couldn't spoil or talk more about, in terms of the more of the plot or more of the um, plot elements. If you're going to see it, see it. Uh, see it once. If you like to see it twice, <clears throat> excuse me, you can do that too. It's completely up to you. But I'm going to see it twice. Um, yeah. So, tune in to my spoiler-filled review for Ant-Man and the Wasp coming next Wednesday night. I'm going to go and get some rest before I pass out. And then my birthday will come this weekend, the Big 28.
So before we go, once again, thank you so much for everything. Thank you for listening in. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can follow me at mgmagnum715 on Instagram or the mgmagnum on Twitter. And before we go, we're going to deal with a quote. The quote of the week brought to you by Harley Quinn. We're bad guys. It's what we do. And all I got to say to that is. Uh, yeah. Sure. Let's, let's go with that. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good night. See you all next week or hear you all next week. Later. Peace out.